0: This is Messages from the Middle. I'm Wendy Parrish. This is episode number 11, five things you can do for your mental health. Have you noticed that people don't usually share their struggles until they're over? It's not until they've defeated their dragon and marched victoriously home that they share their story. Well, I'm not one of those people. My name is Wendy Parrish, and I am in the middle of my story. From the middle, I've learned a few things, and I would like to bring you into my story. This is the good, the struggle, the light, the dark, and the lessons learned. This is Messages from the Middle. Hi, and welcome to Messages from the Middle. This is episode number 11. Today, I want to share with you five things you can do right now for your mental health. Good mental health is a lifelong endeavor that can be significantly improved with good habits and mindset. Some days are really rough and others, you feel like things are improving. On difficult days, it can be hard to find motivation for healthy behaviors, but establishing a few good habits can lift your mood and put you in a better place. I understand that there are times when you need to sit in your sadness. Doing more than breathing in and out is asking a lot, but if you can get yourself into action, these five things can move the needle in the right direction. And if you're in a good place, making a habit of these five things can keep your trajectory moving in a positive direction. The first one I wanna talk about is gratitude. I know it probably sounds a little cliche and you hear it all the time, but cliches exist for a reason. Gratitude works. It's seriously like magic. I started a gratitude practice a few years ago where I would write every day in my journal, five things that I was grateful for within that 24 hour period of time. At that time I was looking at it as my daily journal, since I was documenting something that had happened within the last 24 hours. Then as my mental health took a bit of a decline, I noticed that this practice was keeping my head above water. I also noticed in my darkest times that I had stopped all gratitude journaling. Sometimes we don't know how much something is helping us until we are no longer doing it. And science has my back on gratitude as a mental health tool. By merely acknowledging and appreciating the little things in life, we can rewire the brain to deal with the present circumstances with more awareness and a broader perception. Keeping a gratitude journal minimizes stress, improves the quality of sleep and builds emotional awareness. Journaling and verbally expressing gratitude help you to be more empathetic and positive minded. When you express gratitude, you reduce stress hormones and manage the automatic nervous system functions. At the neurochemical level, don't I sound so fancy? Feelings of gratitude are associated with an increase in neural changes of the prefrontal cortex. That's the part of the brain responsible for managing negative emotions like guilt and shame. The effects of gratitude, when practiced daily, can be almost the same as medications. It produces a feeling of long lasting happiness and contentment the physiological basis of which lies at the neurotransmitter level. When we express gratitude and receive the same, our brain releases dopamine and serotonin, the two crucial neurotransmitters responsible for our positive emotions, and they make us feel good. They enhance our mood immediately, making us feel happy from the inside. Healing mental health requires rewiring neuropathways. By consciously practicing gratitude every day, we can help these neural pathways to strengthen themselves and ultimately create a permanent, grateful, and positive nature within ourselves. Gratitude's pretty cool and it's pretty simple most days. On the bad days, you may just need to sit and go, I am grateful for the color blue. I am grateful for. I mean the smallest thing, your favorite show on Netflix. Just pick something and express gratitude and it will be fascinating how you notice that you just get that little lift just enough to help you through to the next step. Number two is sunlight. I recommend getting out in the sun for 20 minutes a day, preferably before 10 a.m. Morning sunlight is the best. However, Any adequate exposure to the sun and good mental health go hand in hand. The reason lies in our body's serotonin and melatonin production. When we get a healthy dose of sun, our body produces more serotonin, which eventually converts to melatonin. I talked about serotonin when we talked about gratitude. It's the feel-good hormone. It's a hormone that transmits signals between various parts of the brain. One of the critical areas it regulates is mental health and mood. Most medications given for depression and anxiety are designed to aid in serotonin production. Releasing serotonin from sun exposure is a natural way to boost your mental health. Melatonin is known for its calming effects on the brain and ability to reduce stress levels and help with sleep low melatonin has been linked with mental health conditions such as anxiety depression schizophrenia and adhd it's also worth noting that better sleep is also essential for better mental health so more sun more melatonin better sleep better mental health that's a big win right now it's early june so right now it's pretty easy to get into out into the sun and to get sunlight however it's a lot trickier in the winter time but you can still trick your body into creating serotonin and melatonin by using a happy light. These sun lamps produce an intense amount of light at 10,000 LUX, lux? I don't know, I don't know how to say the technical term. Exposing your eyes to these lamps, P.S. do not stare directly at the light, just have your eyes angled toward the light, will trick your body into producing serotonin and melatonin. Sitting in front of a high powered light for 20 to 30 minutes each morning offers similar benefits of getting out in the sun to improve your energy levels, sleep and wake cycles, and helping with depression, anxiety, and seasonal affective disorder. Here are some ideas for getting that morning sunlight. Eat your breakfast, read, gratitude journal, or meditate outside in the morning. You can make all of this part of your morning routine. If you don't have a morning routine, I'll make that number two A. Establish a morning routine that includes gratitude, movement, and sunshine to boost your mood for the day and in the long term. Number three is to take a walk. The ideal is to walk outside. You know, that whole getting sunlight thing. Studies show that spending 20 minutes or more walking outdoors causes the body's production of cortisol and other stress hormones to decrease. And... This invites the brain and the body to relax. This is because of something called optic flow. As you walk, your eyes make constant lateral movements to continuously update your brain on where you are in space. The tree up ahead changes in relation to your gait and gets bigger as you walk towards it, letting you know that you're getting closer. That's optic flow in action. As your eyes move to engage with optic flow, the parts of your brain that process your threat response become quiet. Optic flow can change your thought patterns. If you listened to episode four, The Boxer, about PTSD, I talked about EMDR as a treatment for PTSD. Eye movement desensitization reprocessing was created because Dr. Shapiro went for a walk one day when she was suffering with some negative thoughts and noticed that those thoughts were no longer bothering her. She then used the theory of optic flow to begin to create her method using bilateral stimulation and optic flow to successfully treat PTSD. The ideal is to walk outside when possible, but walking overall is great for your mental health and your overall health. Moving your body for 20 to 30 minutes each day has long-term effects for your overall well-being. Walking is one of the best ways to quickly change your mental state. Studies show that walking pushes your brain to release endorphins, which are known to help lighten your mood and build positive emotions throughout your body. In addition, researchers revealed that regular walking outdoors helps you feel calm and reduces levels of aggressiveness, hostility, and anger, all resulting in reduced tension and an elevated mood. Walking also reduces cortisol levels, which in turn lowers your stress levels. Walking fires up your problem-solving capabilities and gets your creative juices flowing. For example, if you're sitting at your desk and you come up against a mental problem you just can't tackle, it's time to take a walk. The physical activities can help you clear your mind and trigger new ideas. Researchers have noted that individuals who are constantly physically active tend to be more creative than those who are more sedentary. Long walks help you sleep better at night, and again, Sleep is important for your mental health. Millions of people have difficulty sleeping and rely on all types of sleeping aids, including medication, herbs, and supplements to get to sleep. In reality, one of the best ways to get good sleep every night is to walk regularly. Walking is a physical activity, but it also exhausts the mind. So after a long walk, you're more likely to have a great night's sleep. Walking also helps reduce brain fog. Many studies now show that even a brief walk outside can rejuvenate or freshen the mind. People who take a break from work-related activities and walk outside have been found to have improved concentration, better focus, and are re-energized. My grandma Ruth recently died about a month ago, and she was 97 years old when she died. I would say up until not even the last year before she died, maybe even just a few months before she died. She was still sharp as a tack and fully ambulatory. She was doing so well. She was still mowing her lawn and living alone up until I would say about, I want to say nine months before she died. And she walked outside every single day. And I have to believe that those daily walks and her very healthy lifestyle have a lot to do with her living so well for so long. The fourth mental health tip I want to talk about is meditation. There are many different kinds of meditation, and if you're new to meditation, that might actually surprise you. Each type of meditation serves a different purpose. However, any meditation practice will be good for your mental health. When you're dealing with depression, you often have dark thoughts. The point of meditation is not to stop the thoughts from coming, but instead notice the thoughts as they come without judgment. Meditation will help you train your brain to stay in the present moment without judging your thoughts and getting caught up in ruminating thoughts. This will help the symptoms of depression become more manageable and help rewire those neurotransmitters. Meditation will wake up your awareness to the full range of your experiences and emotions rather than focusing on the negative. Meditation can also have a positive physical influence on the mind and body. For example, Meditation can help reduce inflammation in the body. Higher inflammation in the body is linked to increased depression symptoms. Meditation can also stimulate the vagus nerve. The vagus nerve plays a part in everything from heart rate and inflammation to fear and mood, and low activity within the vagus nerve has been linked to depression and anxiety. Meditation and activating the breath can play a role in activating this nerve which in turn can lead to improved mood and enhanced sense of relaxation. Here are some different types of meditation that help with your mental health. First is mindfulness meditation. Mindfulness meditation is the process of purposefully and non-judgmentally observing thoughts, feelings, and sensations to help provide distance from negative or overpowering feelings of anxiety. It centers around the concept of awareness and acceptance of the here and now. This helps you notice patterns of rumination and overthinking so you can make a choice on how to respond rather than being consumed by it. There's also breath-focused meditation. If you're new to meditation, this is where I suggest that you start. Focusing on your breath can help you have a point of focus to bring your mind back to when your thoughts start to wander. When you use your breath as a focus point, you simply bring your focus back to the breath. So for example, I think about where the breath feels in my body, either as it enters my nose or the way that it feels expanding my ribs. I find a focus for where the breath is in my body. Then as my brain starts to go, oh no, I forgot to do this today, or I need to do this, or that person said this thing and it hurt my feelings, then I just simply go, oh, I'm gonna think about my breath. So I'm not denying the thought. Again, I'm just acknowledging that thought happened, but I'm able to bring my focus back to the breath. This is also a really effective form of meditation for people with ADHD, because it helps you learn to retrain your focus. Breath focus meditation can help you train your mind and keep it from sticking on negative thoughts. Also focusing on the breath helps you improve your oxygen intake and lowers your cortisol levels And it's that deep breathing that helps activate the vagus nerve. There's another type of meditation called meta, or most people will refer to it as a loving kindness meditation. This is a heartwarming meditation. It has you focus on happy and loving thoughts. You start within yourself. You start by loving yourself. I imagine being wrapped up in a warm blanket, some way of giving myself a hug Then you take that feeling or another thing that I'll do is I'll bring a bright light into myself and I'll pick a color for that light and I'll bring a bright light into myself and that's love and kindness in that bright light. Then you expand that light so you fill your house with that love and all the people in the house get wrapped up in that warm and bright light. Then you continue to expand this loving kindness, warmness to your neighborhood and on and on. And if you're able to continue the focus and keep the light, you can even go to the point where you fill the whole world with love and kindness. Now, does this mean the world feels this warm blanket wrapped around them? Not necessarily, but it's you promoting loving kindness, happy energy within yourself and letting it expand. Just like mindfulness meditation, it trains your brain to respond differently to the stressors of depression, and it also cultivates increased feelings of connection with others that can help combat those feelings of isolation that come with depression. There's also walking meditation, and this is a great way to use two of the tools at once. With a walking meditation, as you walk, you take time to notice what's around you. You walk a little slower recognizing and appreciating the smells, the sights, the sounds, everything around you. Notice your breath and the feeling of your feet on the ground. One way I've heard of doing walking meditations that helps open up your mindfulness is to pick something to look for. So find a flower you haven't seen before. Look for a blue rock, look for a pink rock. Notice a bird somewhere, that something that you haven't seen before and that will help you keep your eyes looking and focusing on what's happening in the world around you. This type of meditation, you have the benefit of walking, and then you also are using your eyes to look, right? That outside eye look, but you're also taking yourself out of ruminating and negative thoughts if that's what you get stuck in. If you're new to meditation, or even if you've had a meditation practice for a while, I recommend, there's a lot of meditation apps out there. There's the Calm app. I use one called the Insight Timer that's really great. And within these meditation apps, there's courses that you can take that will teach you more and more about meditation. And then there's even, like you can say, a mindfulness meditation you can say a body scanning meditation, which I didn't really talk about, but those ones are great too. They help, they have you walk through your whole body and feel the way everything feels within your body. Um, you can even just pick music and there's different frequencies that have different results within your brain. And we'll talk about that more because I fully intend on doing an entire episode about meditation. I get pretty excited about it. So I recommend looking into one of these meditation apps, the ones I can name off my head. Insight timer, headspace, calm, and waking up are the ones that come to mind. And we've made it to number five. The fifth mental health boost I wanna talk about is cold water therapy. I was hesitant to put this one in here because cold water immersion therapy is everywhere these days, but there's a reason. The benefits of cold water therapy Either through cold showers or immersion, are immense. A cold shower can help improve circulation throughout the entire body. It helps to relax tense muscles, which allows more blood flow to reach the extremities. This increases circulation, which helps deliver oxygenated blood with vital nutrients where they're needed most, resulting in improved overall health and well being. Cold water helps to naturally reduce anxiety and depression because the freezing temperature changes the way your nervous system communicates with your brain. The cold has a shock effect on the body. This then activates electrical nerve impulses from your brain to your nervous system. One of the most consistent and profound physiological responses to cold exposure is a robust release of norepinephrine into the bloodstream. Norepinephrine is a key player in the mood and cognitive enhancing effects of cold exposure. Norepinephrine is a neurotransmitter involved in mood, focus, and attention. Generally, lower norepinephrine activity is associated with inattention, decreased focus and cognitive ability, low energy, and poor mood. There are a few ways to approach cold water therapy. You can start by turning the temperature of your shower down gradually, getting used to the cold temperatures. Most people start getting used to cold water by turning the shower to cold at the end of their shower. I feel like the gradual approach is kind of like when you slowly walk into cold water and sometimes it's easier to just jump into the cold water, but if that's your jam, by all means, if that's how you're going to get to cold water therapy, please do that. It's recommended that you start with a 30 second cold shower at the end of your shower and then see if you can work it up to a longer period of time. Try cold water at the end of every shower and see how you feel. I think you'd be pretty surprised at the effects. Then there's cold water immersion. For this, you would fill a tub with cold water and add ice and a lot of it. The goal is to be able to stay in the cold water for five minutes. Of course, you can always choose to sit in a cold river, lake, or ocean if those cold bodies of water are available to you. Where I live, they've made a surf wave on the river right in town, and you can surf on a surfboard right there in town. And my husband and my two boys surf, and they start in March, like there's still ice near the water when they're doing it. And it is definitely the happiest time in our house. Now you could say it's because they're surfing, which I'm sure that has a lot to do with it, which, hey, look at that, that's outdoor physical activity paired with cold water immersion therapy. Everyone in our house does better during surf season. I wanna wrap this up by saying a really great way to use these five tips is to incorporate these five actions into a morning routine or a routine sometime in your day. Because morning sunlight is the most beneficial sunlight, that's why I recommend making this a morning routine. So for example, you create a routine where you wake up in the morning and immediately meditate and write in a gratitude journal. Then you go for a walk outside in the sun. Then when you take a shower, you turn the water to cold. You can even do your gratitude journaling and your meditation outside for a little extra sun exposure. A routine that incorporates these five mental health boosts will help you establish habits that will serve your health and well-being for years to come. If you establish these things as habits when life is good, they're established as habits when you go through hard times and they can keep your head above water. You can also bust any of these tools out on the fly. If you feel those dark clouds rolling in and anxiety is showing up for you, Go outside and go for a walk. You can sit and name five things you are grateful for, even if they're small things. On days when everything feels dark and hopeless, you can find a flower you're grateful for, a pet you're grateful for, a person, someone that you're grateful for. Any act of expressing gratitude will allow some light in and get you to the next moment. You can stop and breathe and send some love to yourself, and to others around you through meditation, or just activate your vagus nerve by deep belly breathing through a breathing meditation. Learning and incorporating healthy habits and a mindset can be a key to improving or maintaining mental health. As you gain healthy habits and tools, you'll likely maintain a better baseline of mental health and have the tools and skills to draw from in your times of difficulty. I hope you found this information helpful. And I'd love to hear what habits work for you. I'd also love to hear what subjects you'd like to have me tackle in podcast episodes. I still have so many ideas in my quiver, but I'd love to hear anything that you guys would love to know. And also I'm open to a Q&A format if anyone has any questions for me that they'd like me to answer. I would be more than happy to go there and answer questions for you. Thank you so much for listening, and I need you to know that you are loved and you matter, no matter who you are or where you are in your story. We'll see you next week. Thank you so much for joining me in the middle of my story. My theme music is White Linen by Asher Child. He's my kid. You can find all of his amazing music on all streaming platforms. And you know, it just wouldn't be a podcast if I didn't ask you to subscribe and share this podcast with your friends. But seriously, it would really mean so much to me if you did. Thank you so much and see you next time.